Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents, love the words. From ELFM. So you're listening to East Leeds FM love the words and today I'm really pleased and excited to be talking to Zelino Modesto from Belgium. Hello Zelino. Hello Peter. It's great to have you on love the words and <laughs> lovely and um, yeah I mean I've been listening to your fascinating podcast why I listen and listening is is so much of what we do at Chapel FM Arts Centre, East Leeds FM, anybody who works in community radio. Uh, but uh, just as a general theme, it's absolutely um, fascinating. So congratulations on, on, on the podcast. Selena, um, first of all, uh, obviously we're in very strange times at the moment, but uh, you know, in normal times, uh, how would you describe your work in general? What, what, you know, tell us about yourself a bit. Um, I, I have I, I do move myself in different in different areas. So the voice area, the voice the voice world is something very very important for me. I think most of most of the work I do is is connected to that. So I'm a voice coach and I, I help people. I support people in their own findings of their voices, whatever that means for them. Um, I also sing and I, I I teach not only voice but also singing as well. Connected to that, I'm also a dancer and a, and a, and a dance teacher. So I kind of like I use a little bit the same um, I would say the same presence in both worlds. There's a lot of uh, listening for me in both kind of like the same way, even though one of them is the voice and the other one is the body and both are very connected for me. And in say, you know, we're not in COVID, but in normal times, so whatever normal is, of course, uh, what, what, what does a week hold for you? Is it, is it a, a mixture of, do you work within both individuals and groups? Do you work in a college? Do you work privately? How does it, how does it work out? Yeah, I work, I work privately and mostly individuals. So I do hold workshops for groups um, once in a while, so not, not frequently. And I do work mainly with individuals um, in, in, in the voice work and, and also the, the body work. Great. And Selena, how did you get into this kind of work? How do you, how, where, where, does, where does your practice originate from? Was there a moment when you thought, this is what I want to do? Or did you come, come by a very different, uh, different route? When I started singing, I thought I couldn't sing. And for a long time, I thought I couldn't sing. And that was once I saw a, a postcard about a, a voice, a singing workshop, and I registered. It was a, a three days workshop. And I think on the second and third day, we're supposed to bring a song or sing a song. And I remember when I sang and everyone everyone kind of like changed and everyone, the feedback after that was, was something that I couldn't actually believe at the time. But when I went home, I thought like everyone was a bit crazy that I was not exactly as I remembered it. And I think that triggered the curiosity in me. And I did for one year, uh, I followed classes in a group and I, I started more being more interested about it and understanding there was some potential behind it as well. And late after that, I looked for a private teacher. So I did classical singing for some time. And I remember my first class with her that this sound came from me that both of us did not expect. And and, and I think I think I think the voice was something that was hidden from me for somehow for some reason I was I was keeping myself away from the voice. And when I started my whole like understanding of myself path, like with, with therapy and understanding, you know, like what it was what was going on in me, who I was, the voice kept on being my flashlight. And I would always understand who I am and how I felt listening to my voice. And I'll give you a short example. I remember being one day at home cleaning the house and thinking I'm I feel really happy and and after that day I went down and I spoke with a friend of mine and as soon as I heard my voice I heard a sad voice and I was intrigued by that I was I was thinking so how can I f how can I think or feel I'm happy and how can I sound so sad and I think 
whenever I had the doubt, my voice or my body would always tell me and bring clarity to how I actually felt. And that was, I think this is how, how I started my curiosity around this and trying to understand what it meant for me and then later for others as well. It's interesting because I, I, when we, you know, we work uh, with radio, with young people uh, up in East Leeds, Chapel FM Arts Centre, um, we work with all kinds of people who come into the studio. Most people say, I hate the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> how does that connect with you? What does that mean to you? Because obviously you're, 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 you're somebody who's very curious about voice, voice. A lot of people feel very separated from their own voices, at least when they hear them. Yeah, I think I think I think I had a phase like that as well. Um, there's 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 also a bit of uh, physicality in it as well. Like we we hear our voice inside of our body differently for how it sounds outside. So that there's a little bit of that. But I think even beyond that, that there's more to that. I think I I think for me it was a little bit of understanding what being curious about it what did my voice mean for me even even though i think it's it's different it's different when we're feeling it when we're speaking to when we're going to listen to it and i think we can be it's easy for us to judge um when we listen to ourselves in in a less soft way so and so i have that as well and i, I kind of like i found a way to like the sound of my voice and I've seen other people also need to work with me and also in other other um, other workshops that have had kind of like the same feeling of not liking, not enjoying listening to themselves and finding a way to, to appreciate that and to enjoy their own voices as well. So do you feel that's part of your work in a way, just to, to, to help people to to find their voice, to, to, to enjoy their voice? Yeah, I, I think I think part of it I think a lot of it is connected to how we see ourselves. I think it's it's common to see people that say like, oh, I don't know how to sing, I cannot sing, or, you know, like my voice doesn't sound as X. And, and it's interesting to see how time can change that, how people can understand that they can actually sing. I think also in a way we've put singers in a pedestal, like singers and like and radio hosts and television. There's a bit of, there's a bit of like this, uh, romanticized idea of who they are and I think it's easy for us to say like oh I'm not there you know like and and I, and I think the whole path of someone to find that and to understand the quality of their voice and how they can actually sing I think it's something really really beautiful so Zelina you've you've obviously you work with voice which sounds absolutely fascinating uh, but also now there is your curiosity about listening will probably have always been there but the the what's yeah is listening part of teaching people to listen or helping people to listen part of your work to help them with their voice it's it's interesting because for a long time if people would ask me like describe your work i would say 90 percent of what i do is listening and, and i really mean it and i think of course, I do hold the space. I have I have the tools and I have my insights and I have explored my own path so I can I can also see possibilities. On the other hand, I can only do that. I can only do it in a way that it it brings something if I'm able to listen. I feel I feel a good example to say it is for example, if I'm going to go and teach a workshop and if I'm going to feel this workshop is going to be about green and blue. But everyone brings a different color. P people bring red, they bring yellow. Yeah, cool. And if I just keep to, if I just stick to the green and blue, I will not be able to be for them and allow them to experience what they need to experience in that, in that moment. So what I feel my work is, I need to be able to paint in any color. And of course, I do think about a structure when I go and teach a workshop. I might have an idea if I'm working with someone regularly about what we can explore the next class. But the moment is always going to be more important for me than whatever idea I had before. So I feel if I'm able to paint with any color, and if someone brings green, someone brings red, and someone brings yellow, I will, I will, I will focus more on those colors. So my work is to be able to listen to all colors that people can bring. I love the idea of listening to colours. 
and 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 the voice is also half colors it's not what i was thinking about but the voice is also half colors of course because we do talk about the voice having color don't we, we do yeah texture yeah. and color yeah it's also interesting and so um yeah when i there's a nice little two minute uh sort of extra on your podcast site which is about why you set up the podcast and and in that i was really interested to hear you say that you one of the aims was to help people be better listeners i suppose help help us be better listeners whether you are at work or whether you are um in a relationship or with, with friendship that's a really that's a really interesting idea and is it would you say that's the main reason for your you're setting up the podcast or, or yeah what else yeah that's that's i think that was definitely the the main the main the main trigger for me to do it and i think because of the i, I also train as a as a psychotherapist so because of the of this world that i know the voice world the body world the psychotherapy world i think i i've met people that have understood that listening is really important for their work so they have thought about it and I also have people that I know and people that know people that I know that are curious about it. And I thought the podcast came in a way to connect both worlds. So people that are curious about listening or they haven't thought about it, but this can trigger the curiosity in them and connect them to people that have thought about it. And then interestingly, when I started reaching out to people and some of the people that I interviewed are people that I know already, some of them hadn't thought about the listening part in what they do and and i mean i, I mean I, f I feel everyone all the time all the time everyone has the possibility of being listening meaning if you're a you're a voice coach clearly going to be someone that has to have a listening presence or if you're a moderator um but also i interviewed someone who's an mc and he hadn't thought about it until i i reached out to him and i and i, and I said I feel I feel he do a lot of listening because I've seen him being more energetic on stage, trying to bring everyone up, but also being very quiet and saying, now we're going to have. And it was always somehow always matching the quality and the presence of the energy in the room. And for me, there was a lot of being open to receiving before giving something as well. So I was curious for me to also to understand that people that actually for me have been using listening quality a lot of the time they hadn't thought about it as well uh, yeah absolutely uh, uh maybe maybe we don't think about listening enough do you feel that as a culture our our, our quality of listening our ability to listen is decreasing or it's is it is that something that's that can be exaggerated yeah i i feel i feel well, when I think about the conflicts that can happen in a in a couple, that can happen in a company, in a team, uh, in in we as a people, I th I feel a lot of it is is connected to listening. I think a lot of it is, if you and I are having an argument, is a lot about what is the story that I'm telling myself when I hear what you say. You know, I can say, for example, uh, Peter, I would like to be, I would like to have to be listened, and you say, are you saying that? I'm speaking over you, you know, or it could be the other way around. And it's, it's, I think it's a little bit, what is the story that we say to ourselves when we hear something? And I feel the quality of listening is, is, a, is, is, is something different. And I think a good example is what happens nowadays also with the whole um, race conversation that happens. I think it's easy to be in a place that we feel we are right. And when we hear someone saying something which goes uh, in a different direction to what I feel is right, I feel it's easy for me to start thinking about the next argument instead of really understanding what does this mean? What, what is behind? What is the history for this person that makes the person say this? And I think, I think this is something that I also, it's, I keep on developing as well, right? I, <laughs> I, also, I also have moments that I feel, oh, I don't think I'm listening uh, as, 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 as well as I could be. So I do feel as a culture, I feel there's there's a lot of space. There's a lot of space for improvement for us to be more aware of it, and to be more, I would say, more open to really let whatever we hear resonate inside of us. And I think that would make us that will make us be more connected to each other. 
One of the people you talk to is somebody I think based in Ghent called Maika uh, Oosterlink, uh, which I listened to and I was very interested in her work in hospitals as a mediator. But um, she, I remember her talking about keeping a kind of neutral space when you're a listener so that it's about it's about not reacting but but seeking to understand and I think perhaps that's certainly what when you're talking that's what makes me think I think when, when we listen when I listen to somebody talking I'm already as you say I'm sort of reacting to that rather than keeping us a, a neutral space inside myself she calls it I, I think it's a really interesting idea of the naive space you know to, to sort of just being open being a being a kind of innocent in a way what do they what do they mean what are they talking what are they talking about what are they and what is the context because i think yeah we're so quick to judge aren't we and social media seems to exacerbate our uh, our, our um our ability to react instantly so yes are you saying that yeah i mean it's it, is it about just keeping that space that sort of space in yourself that's open for me the, the word that comes is curiosity is, is, imagine that Peter, you and I have been friends for a long time. We had the same conversation about, you know, what is blue and what is green. And you defend blue, but whenever we're going to talk about it again, I might feel, I know already what you're going to say, and I have already all the arguments ready. And I think the whole exercise of being curious of what you will say and what that means for you and what, what, is, behind, what is behind your belief, why do you believe that? You know, and I think it's easy for us to think that what we believe is right. And, and that makes us less open and less curious to what someone else is saying. And I think, and I think that's, 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 that's something that I find really, really important in this equation, like the curiosity. You know, how, how will I listen to you as if it be the first time I listen to what you're going to say? Because in reality, every moment is different from the previous moment. So it's going to be, it's, it's always going to be the first time I listen to it because something might have changed. So that's something about, again, when you're talking, something about being in the present moment, being absolutely present in that moment rather than leaping ahead to what the argument is in your head or the reaction or the, yeah, and anticipating. And so. Yeah, I mean, I, I also what it made me think about was the fact that, yeah, our work in East Leeds with young people um, really, for me, a f fascinating moments arise when you give a microphone to a young person and you say, right, we're at this event now. You, this microphone is a license to be curious. It's a license to 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 ask a question, because I think you know, particularly as as children, young people, we they. They're still, we still don't educate children, I think, and young people to ask questions. So for, for us, the key thing is, is the microphone is a kind of metaphor, really, that we put in people's hands and say, right, go out there, ask a question, be curious. Um, so, yeah, curiosity, absolutely. I totally get that and very much a part of the work that, yeah, we do. Selino, but before we go any further, you've chosen two pieces of, of, of music and it would be lovely to hear about... Uh, the first one, which I think is a Bobby McFerrin track. Tell us about that. So, and, and it came a little bit kind of like I got to, so I knew the Don't Worry Be Happy from Bobby McFerrin and he has changed a lot of his work in the meanwhile. And I remember when I first, maybe in the first years of me singing, I was, well, something that I'm really curious about in the work I do is it's the individuality of each person's voice. And I think at the time when I got to know the work that he was doing, I was trying to find what my voice, what, 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 what does my voice mean? Who is my voice? What is the character, the different qualities of my voice? But when I looked around in, in, my, in my space, I couldn't find anyone that I could relate to in, in that sense. And I think that there's a beautiful interview he has in a, in a radio station. He talks about how he went for him. And, and he used to be a, a pianist and he said, one day he was walking home from, from work and he, had, he heard this soft voice pushing him and saying, you know what, you're a singer. And the whole image of him, and he said he spent two years without, intentionally without listening to music because he wanted to find his own voice, but also because he had this image of him by himself on stage and he, he could see the image, but he couldn't know, 
he couldn't know what was the sound of that image. So he took two years just to to explore and to find the sound of that image. And I think that was really symbolical for me. And, and that helped me also to understand and to be free about the sound that I wanted to find in my own voice. That makes me think of Sonny Rollins. I think it was Sonny Rollins, the saxophone player, who, who withdrew from playing gigs with other people and just apparently just stood every day underneath an archway up in probably New York uh, and just finding his own voice uh, as a saxophone player. I, I love yeah, I love the idea of that. So we're going to hear this track from Bobby McFerrin, Invocation. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Farron and Invocation, chosen by our guest on Love the Words today, Zelina Modesto, who created and hosted, still hosts, uh, the podcast Why I Listen. And we're talking about listening and voice today. Zelina, just that I was listening to the interview that you did with Benjamin Mehta. Um, I think I, if I can pronounce his name properly, and he 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 practices free listening the idea of just being on the street and offering your ears to people which is a really a really interesting idea the urban confessional and he talked i think it was him he talked about he told a story about a woman who came along and looked at them and said what are you doing why are you doing this i haven't been listened to in 40 years i'm not going to stop for you now so the question i'm uh, which is disturbing and but also I think very resonant I, I think there are people you know young people children adults who who perhaps have never been listened to how does somebody who's never been listened to learn to listen <laughs> um, that's an interesting question that's a very interesting question I do I, I do it's 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 the other side of it right uh, I feel we, we can we can we can be we can become better listeners and because we're not there yet the other side is there's someone on the other side that is not feeling listened and I feel I feel we all have felt this like either like in a family meeting in a work meeting with friends that we feel we're not able to to find our voice as you're saying also that as you do with the with the, with the kids that you give them a microphone and like in that moment they have, you know, like we're going to listen to you. And I, I feel most, a lot of the times I feel you don't have to be listened or feel listened to be a good listener. You also know what you've missed when you haven't felt listened. It's, it's a little, it's a bit of, it's the other side, like is is. It's the empathy you can create with someone that doesn't feel listened. And I feel I felt it in my, in my, my childhood, for example, I didn't always feel listened. And I think because of that, it's easy for me to be in a group with 10, 20 people. And sometimes there's one or two people that it's kind of like going away from the group because they don't feel included or they don't feel listened. And it's always easy for me to, to, feel, to feel when that is happening. And I, uh, it's, it's, I can and I and I find a way to bring them back, and I think part of it is not because it's probably not because of my listening work. It's because of the moments where I haven't felt listened, and that's what helps me detect that, feel that, and and kind of like find my way to to support them and in in, in bringing them back and making them feel listened and included. Totally get that, Selena. I was uh, yeah as a adolescent, I was at times almost mute in in groups i remember being so you know family occasions where there were people lots of people there and the 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 the, the longer you don't speak for the harder it is 
to speak you know and, and I just I remember excruciating meal times and all sorts of stuff I still I think I still get it occasionally and I think that I I, I think that's why I enjoy I don't enjoy running groups but certainly particularly I, mean, I do it uh, but it's still a bit of an effort for me but I do as you do spot people who I re I I um I can sympathize with empathize with because they are struggling to speak and I suppose that one of the pleasures of doing a, a workshop in which everybody participates is you brought somebody out from that position of being on the outside and I, and I, and yeah I, I really love to quote that I think this is Benjamin again actually from your podcast he was quoting somebody called David Ausberger being heard is so close to being loved um, uh, most people can't tell the difference isn't that I think that's beautiful but, but at the same time would you say sorry go on Zena I was just gonna say that there is a difference though between sort of hearing and listening isn't there um, yeah so yeah anyway <laughs> i just wanted to get that quote in because it's a lovely quote yeah no definitely i think two two things come to to mind i think it's it's i think the world is made for people that you know like um extroverts and people that are all out and expressive and those are the people we pay attention to and i feel we should pay a lot of attention to the people that are quiet as you're saying, like I've, I've, I think we've all have been in groups that we feel a bit muted, and there's also power in that. The person that is 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 not talking and is observing and and listening, that person is is getting a lot of what is happening, and I think I think that can be very powerful in a way that it can happen just just happens, or we can also m bring ourselves there. And I feel, I feel sometimes I, I do this, like I'm in a group and I feel, I, I, I kind of like, I, I take a step back and I'm, I'm observing and, and understanding what is the dynamic and, and listening and understanding what are people actually saying? What is behind what people are saying? And, and to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the quote from, from Benjamin, um, just came to me, there was a workshop that I, that I, I gave in Cologne and, and we had a group of people and was a bit of like dancers and we were working with the body and the, and, and, and the voice. And there was a moment that we were doing something, I was playing the djembe and people were moving and some people were moving more widely and, and, and bigger and some people were moving more quiet and, and small. And I remember that I stopped and I said, even if you feel that you're moving slow or, or small and, and more quiet, in, embrace that and, and, and really be in it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to be big. So we, that's also welcomed. And I remember that a couple of people came after the day and came to me and they said that that was really precious for them to feel that they could just be in their energy and whatever they felt in that moment. And that was okay. And I find, I find, I find this, is, this, is, this is really beautiful as a lesson right so how how do we also open space for people that have you know a different quality of energy of loudness or quietness in that moment and also to understand what what are they bringing as well what are they seeing and how can i make myself be in a similar place you know how can i be in a place that i can i can observe more i can listen more that's uh, also really interesting and i think yeah i mean i i grew up in a in a family where my mum was actually quiet as i was but my dad and my sister were both uh raving extroverts and uh so uh yeah i was i i the whole idea of our society kind of being about people who have that confidence to express um and and since my family those people took up a lot of oxygen a lot of space and people who don't have that feeling starved of space and also the whole thing about if i'm just thinking of voice as a kind of metaphor but if you haven't ever spoken well you it's been a long time since you have been listened to or taken seriously it gets harder and harder to i'm, now, I'm sort of now think, talking about political voice as well and sort of voices are you know it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger a bigger idea but how how do you think we imbue education with how do, how do we educate children and young people to 
to listen. I, 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 I really don't know, and I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about that. I, I think part of part of it is also how. I, I think it starts with when we teach them to listen to themselves first. I think there's a lot of of being okay in, in having emotions and being expressive, but also understanding what, what it means for them. So, for example, if there's there's a child that has a you know, they're screaming or he's crying instead of me saying that's not right and stop it to to go close to the child and, and and try to with the child understand what it means. You know, what is the emotion that is present? I think I felt a lot of people that I, I, I feel they're more in this quality of listening to other people. They have also done the work to listen to themselves. I, I, I don't feel I don't feel that it's possible to to listen to people and kind of like to to be attuned to what people feel if one hasn't done the work with themselves as well and and understanding you know like i maybe today i'm more agitated what is it am i am i really excited am i nervous am i afraid and what does it mean for me and i think that's i think i think that's the start and i and i and also in 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 voice sessions with i feel that it also starts with people, right? Like there's some people that come and we start having voice sessions. And and I, from the beginning, I find a way that I'm not the one saying if it was, uh, I don't know, a good sound or a bad sound, not that I think in this way, but I'm, I'm, I'm not the one to validate it. I'm there and I support, but it's important that the person understands what it means. So the person feels in their body what is happening in their body when different qualities of sound come. And I feel that helps as well to be more aware of the outside when we look first to the inside. So, yeah, that's, I was, I was actually, that, that connects with something. I, was, I heard the other day from somebody who's, who's now in their 60s who said that as a child, she had no inner, inner being at all. She never she wasn't conscious of having thoughts really at all she wasn't taught i suppose as you, in your in your way of saying it to listen to herself she wasn't taught to have any kind of inner in inner process in a in a in a life because she was in a family that was um, quite authoritarian she's actually from a chinese background and, and she was you know had wasn't uh, yeah it was, it was, there was a lot of fear and i think also i think you know unfortunately a lot of people grow up with with fear, don't they? Either of either being getting wrong or being told they're wrong or being told off, or fear, as in living in a dangerous society. Which so are you? Are you really talking about people having some kind of inner life, some inner conversation? I, I feel again, it's again to curiosity, to understanding wh why, what is behind how I feel now. How do I feel now? What's behind it? And I, I feel I feel that's something that is really valuable to think about. I also feel that we also, as as parents and as 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 leaders, as friends in companies with friends groups, we can also, whenever we have a discussion, I, I, it's Brené Brown was saying that a lot of the times she works in companies, and the first three people speaking in a in a in a meeting are the ones that are going to be speaking for like eighty five percent of the time, and it can be ten people in the room, and I feel. A lot of the times it's like, also, how do we as friends, if I'm with a group of six friends, are we talking about something, but I feel John isn't talking much? How do I find a way to make John feel comfortable and have space to, to, to express how he feels as well? And I think there's a bit of it is regarding education, right? And, it's, and, and maybe it's going to take some time to be changed because... As a parent, I will not be able to help my child to be more aware of their feelings if I'm not aware of my own feelings and emotions. And on the other hand, whenever we have the possibility to be aware of it, when we detect that there's people in a the group that are speaking less, they don't find the space, they don't, they're not able to bring it and create it for themselves, how do, we, how do we bring it? How do we find it? How do we create this space for them? How do we find a way that everyone shares how they feel? And I think, again, Brene Brown, she was talking about her own company. And she said a lot of times when they want to, for example, understand what everyone um, interpret the meeting was about and where they are, everyone writes on a post-it and they put it on the middle of the table. So then everyone reads the post-it, which means 
sometimes what happens like the most powerful like most influential person expresses their their view and it's easy for all the rest to align with that and i think there's there's some work here in in finding a way to give everyone the space and it's going to be also from ourselves to create the space in ourselves to listen to be curious about what everyone says and to give everyone the opportunity to talk as well yes and uh interestingly you talk about the act of writing writing something down i i do a lot of writing workshops and always have done as, as part of my my work and the whole process of writing for many people who haven't written at all and, ha and aren't used to to being brave enough really to commit words either to speech or to page the the impact of that in their life seems to be extraordinary you know uh, when somebody actually because as we know writing is a way of finding out really what you feel but the but the act of of of, of putting it on paper or on screen and sharing it with somebody else and being somebody somebody one of your podcasts talked about being recognized the the recognition that comes from 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 being listened to i suppose being heard being seen and um we seem to have be able to have a lot of presence on social media in the sense of a lot of statements that we make can be seen by lots of people but i don't think that's the same as um as that kind of deep sense of of being recognized of having something that you said or written kind of understand and i love the word understanding you know the, the whole idea of getting under underneath somebody you know and holding them holding what they say i mean Giselina, you've talked to lots of fascinating people already in your podcast what can you think of any any sort of particular highlights for you of, of in terms of the interviews that you've been doing with people you talked to you've talked for instance people who are as you say are djs you've you've talked to somebody who um works as a mediator you've talked to somebody who uses dogs in canine therapy that's fascinating yeah i mean and, and how's it been for you running this po doing this podcast and i feel and, and this i feel this is the beauty of it so i've introduced so far 10 people for my podcast but i'm saying that um so i've introduced people that have they use dogs and and canine therapy in their work and i've introduced i've uh, interviewed also maggie stratford and she works with the voice and trans women and it's easy, it's, it's easy to think that they're not very connected in the listening quality. But what I find at, is that almost completely the listening, the listening quality, the listening presence is the same. And this is what I find very interesting. And this is, for me, very, very valuable in also my curiosity and my research of the listening quality. And I feel it's, I'm, 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 I'm feeling and I'm confirming that it's 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 maybe easier than what we feel. I think there's a bit of there's a bit of the idea that it's listening is something really difficult that we have to do something for listen. And and there is a part of it. There's there's a part of active listening. So there's something that we have to engage ourselves to do. But listening is really being open, being being curious, and and receiving. And I find that with everyone that I have interviewed from Benjamin that has the free listening or Jonathan that is a voice coach and, and, uh, and a singer and artist, I feel I, I could, I can, I can very easily see this something that is, that is present in, in the work and the quality that they do in the listening. And it's very similar. I feel in, in all of them. Well, I, I thoroughly recommend your podcast to anybody um Zelina, who is no seriously it's it's a the really really interesting group of people um so um before we hear the final piece of music that you've chosen but also before you give us details of the podcast and where to find it um what's the how's it been for you this year it has been i think i've been through a lot of different phases um so initially not understanding what it meant to being um, I think there was there was a time that I was a bit um, confused by all that and kind of like frustrated because I wanted to meet my friends. I wanted to be out and that was not possible. Um, 
On the other hand, there's also I also found more time to do other things that otherwise I would not have time to do. And and I feel there's a bit of quietness that has been very valuable for me and has allowed me to be more present as well. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward <laughs> to things going back to whatever normal means, but to have more freedom in being with people and, and I think all the you know, like hugs and all those those good things that we all miss. Um, but I, I feel I've learned a lot in this last year as well. I feel I've I've grown a lot in this last year. And I look forward to continuing and, and being more with people and seeing how other people might have changed as well and how we meet again in this in this new version of ourselves. Great. Well, on that positive note, and uh, you're, you're also going to be con continuing the podcast, I hope. Yes, yes, I will. I will. Uh, uh, the second season is actually going to start... Um, on Monday, I will be releasing the episode and we're going to have uh, more very interesting interviews coming up. Wonderful stuff. Tell us how, where we can listen to it. So the podcast is called Why I Listen and you can find it on a website, whyilisten.online and you can also find it in other places like Spotify and whatever you listen to your podcast, you will be able to find it there as well. Great. Uh... So thanks ever so much for speaking to us today. Thank you so much, Peter, for the invitation, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And uh, tell us about uh, your last track. Hmm. The, the track is uh, by Jonathan Hart McGuire, and it's called Mzoma. And there's a place that I go to, and, and actually Maggie, which is also from Leeds, mm -hmm. also goes to, and is in the south of France, and it's called the Hoy Roy Hart Theatre. And it's a, I would describe it as a voice research center. And I feel in the first year that I was there, I got in contact with Jonathan's music. And Jonathan is a, an explorer of the voice as well, someone that I have felt very, very inspired by. And again, connected to what I felt with Bobby McFerrin, just in a different phase of my life and bringing a different perspective. Jonathan, with that song, I also felt all the potential of the voice, all the expression of the voice, which I find is something really valuable. Um, and it's just shown me um, this new perspective. And also, I love the fact that there's also a lot of African sounds in the music of Jonathan as well.
Love the commas. Love the apostrophes. Love the colons and the question marks. Love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, Lita. No, no, Lita. Hello, you're listening to Wordy Birds. Wordy Birds is our regular spot for stories and poetry. Writers, poets, scribblers, wordy birds from Yorkshire and beyond. Give us what they've got. In today's Wordy Birds, we have a new song by Hugh Nankerville. This is a very beautiful song. It's called A Song for Mary or A Musical Hug. He wrote this quite early on in the corona crisis, just as lockdown was beginning to happen. And it's a, it's a song for everybody who wants to give somebody a hug somewhere, but is unable to do so at the moment. So thank you, Hugh Nankerville, to that very beautiful song, A Song for Mary. Now the next piece, not by uh, any design, or perhaps it is, is called Mary Mary. And it's by Irene Lofthouse. Irene is a poet and storyteller, story writer from Bradford. Irene Lofthouse. Mary Mary by Irene Lofthouse. I were gobsmacked when a reporter from that show, you know that one, where are they now, came to interview Mam about gardens. We lived eight floors up, surrounded by concrete paths, parking bays, high rises and scraps of yellowing grass. 
Go away! Mam shouted from open balcony door. I could see tears trickling down her face. I didn't know why she were crying, and I went to woog her. You were famous! Our viewers want to know why! Reporter's loud voice floated up, causing Mam to storm onto the balcony. Leave me alone! And then she clambered onto the balcony railing, sobbing and swaying. Well, he skedaddled, didn't he? Leaving me to talk Mum down. It's okay, ma'am, I said, hugging her. A tear dropping on my head as she stroked my hair. Well, she told me that when she were eight, she were famous because she'd grown this fantabulous garden with wondrous plants. Rody doodies. It ambuculated rampantly. And Spangalicious sprawled, spitting their seeds at sunset. And silver bells, as tall as the town hall tower, trembled and tinkled, and pretty maids danced and dipped like ballerinas in the breeze. While cockle shells croaked each full moon, cackling a cacophonous chorus. Tiger lilies tangoed together, pouncing on slugs and savouring them. And spotted snagglethorpe ladybirds, they leapt around. Mum choked. Gone. All gone. Destroyed when the council decided to build all these flats. She went to bed. It's what she needed. Sparkle in a moment. Now what she said explained a lot. About a change of mood from smiling to foot stamping. Contrary Mary. That's what I'd heard they said about her at school gates. Well I loved her. And I wanted to make her happy. Especially when her birthday came. I had an idea. I ferreted around the box room for an old tin Gran had showed me that said, Danger, do not open. It were full of paper seed packets Mum had collected. Now, Gran had told me about these here guerrilla gardeners and how they threw the plant bombs onto bare patches of land to fill them with colour and life. I became one. With Mum's seeds and compost from pound shop under me bed, I Catapulted bombs from balcony and I dropped them on where to and from school. And then I waited. And I waited. And waited. Three months later, nothing. So disappointing. And then Mum's birthday arrived, so I just left some chocolates and a card in a room. And that morning, a squeal wakened me. Oh, what a morning glory! Mum were out on the balcony. Hey, you a glorious morning, don't you? I heard. I know exactly what I mean. She were beaming. Rumbuculating, Rudy Doody. And there... Sparkling Spangalicious. Her antelope. Colour and scent and life entwined everything, everywhere. That was Mary Mary, written and read by Irene Lofthouse. First conceived for the 26 Twits project with 26 characters, 26.org. UK. Thank you so much to Irene Lofthouse for that uh, story, Mary, Mary. So a lot of Marys in this uh, in this wordy birds. So maybe hello to all Marys out there. Hope you're doing all right. We'll have to get through all the other names in the other wordy birds this week. I'm not sure we can uh, do do more than ten anyway. Um, so that's all for wordy birds this week, and. Uh, Happy listening, happy reading, happy writing.